Praise the Lord, saints. Amen. We are going to enjoy this hymn tonight. That is 549. Hymn number 549. Enter the veil and go without the care. Taste and 
Lord. Amen. We enter into the veil and go outside the camp. Amen. Amen. to go outside the camp. Amen. The heavenly sweetness. And other things. Amen. 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 Enter the veil. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Enter the veil. Enter the veil. Till exist no more. Amen. Till only things are gone. Amen. Amen. Until the Amen. heavens and the earth unite. Amen. Till God and man together dwell in one. Amen. 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 If heaven's glory doth my spirit Amen. charm, how can Amen. earth's happiness possess my heart? Amen. Amen. Enter the world, behold the glorious Christ. Go out the camp to Jesus and let him lead. Amen. Amen. The veil for resurrection power. The cross and woo. Hallelujah. In his radiant face, in heaven, see his footsteps I will follow here below. Amen. Amen. Enter the veil, behold the glorious Christ. Go out the camp to let him lead. Amen. And crown my spirit here and draw. Amen. Amen. cannot my steps impede. Amen. Amen. for restoration power. Amen. Amen. to bear the cross and woe. Amen. In heaven we see his footsteps. We will follow below. Amen. 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 Enter the veil and go without the camp. Amen. Amen. Does the earth forsake? Amen. By the holiest, I am satisfied. Amen. How can I ask vanities today? Amen. Amen. Enter the veil, greeted, stare and joy. Amen. Amen. How the camp the needs of men supply. Amen. 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 The life of heaven living out through me. Amen. The soul of earth will bless and satisfy. Amen. 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 Go out the camp, all the camps are gone. Amen. And heal the heavens and earth are united. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Into the vial for the resurrection power. Amen. 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 A radiant face in heaven. Amen. 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 Lord, we want this to be a reality. Amen. Amen. 
Satisfied. Yes. Amen. 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 This is how God's people, uh, when they were in the wilderness, just like when they are journeying in their worldly uh, travel to Goodland and in Exodus chapter 33, that is when God called Moses up to Mount Sinai and Moses delayed his coming and God's people start to worship the golden cows. And then they realize God's presence is no longer with them and then make their own idol out of the gold and worship a golden calf that is to be the enjoyment. The calf in the Bible signify for enjoyment. And in that kind of worshiping, they start worship idols. They make the God that leads them out of Egypt become a god with four legs cow. Now they start worshiping this cow as their enjoyment, as their entertainment. It's a calf to replace the God, the living God that brought them out of Egypt. And when Moses come down, um, Moses deal with the sin of idolatry. And after Moses deal with them, and Moses leave God's people in that camp and go out away from this camp. What that means? That means this camp become a religion, something about God, but there is no God. And Moses move out his tent from the camp and dwell in his own tent outside this camp. And anyone from that time on, if they want to enjoy God's presence, God's speaking, they must enter into the tent of Moses and depart from this camp. This camp become a shell. This camp become a religion where God is not there. If you want to have God speaking, you must go into the tent of Moses. And there you have enjoyed, you will enjoy God speaking. Well, this is the background of this hymn. Uh, this hymn is based on Hebrews 13, what we're going to cover tonight. 
the, the writer, the author of this book, encouraged the Hebrew believers, leave the camp, enter into the veil. You know, that means get into the Holy of Holies. And today our Christ, he's in the holiest place, which is in our spirit. We enter into the veil. Of course, that veil is talking about the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. Today, we want to enter into the veil to enjoy this Christ. But for you to enter into the veil, you have to get out from the camp in Christ. <clears throat> you know, in Christ, he is entering into veil and then he go out of the camp. Well, in, I'm sorry, in Christ's experience, in Christ's experience, he, out of the camp, he was rejected by the religious camp, and he was crucified outside Jerusalem. He was being rejected. He went out to the camp, and today he is in the Holy of Holies. In Christ, he is out of the campers and in the veil. But in our experience, we follow Christ today in our spirit. He is inside the veil, and he will lead us get out of the camp. Praise the Lord. Amen. In Christ, he experienced out of the camp and entered into the veil. In our experience, we enjoy him inside the veil, then we will get out of the camp. Amen. The more we enjoy him in our spirit, the more we will leave the religious camp. That's why this hymn is talking about we enter the veil and go out the camp. Amen. Let's enjoy this hymn again. We will enjoy this hymn. Look, in this hymn talking about um, we... Go out of the camp and we taste heavenly sweetness and we forsake all the earthly enjoyment. If in the holiest, in the spirit, I'm satisfied, how can I partake? How can I enjoy the vanity of this world? And in verse three, talking about the experience of Stephen. Stephen, he been thrown, stoned by the camp. Enter the veil, he behold the glorious Christ. Go out of the camp to Jesus and let him lead. If the throne and crown my spirit be thrown, I'm sorry, in verse three, talking about the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, he go out to the camp to Jesus. And then if the throne and crown my spirit here enthroned, Manger and cross cannot my step impede. That means how can my feet stop me to experience the manger and the cross? I saw the glory here. So nothing can stop the step of Christ from manger to the cross. This is how he entered into the veil and out of the camp. And then in verse four is the experience of Stephen. 
Enter the veil for resurrection power. Go out the camp to bear the cross in war. If I, his radiant face in heaven see, this is Stephen, he saw Christ, his face in the heaven. Then he said, his footstep I will follow here below. Verse 3, talk about Christ's experience. Verse 4, talk about the Stephen experience. And verse 5, talk about the experience of the apostles. Enter the veil on heaven, fatness feast. Outside the camp, in hardship, persevere. Amen. We enjoy in the Holy of Holies. And outside, we can endure all kind of hardship. Though earthly trial sorely pain my heart, but heavenly communion cheer in my spirit. That is verse 5. How the apostles experience enter the veil and outside the camp. And verse 6 is today our church life experience. Enter the veil, Christ reaches their enjoying. Without the camp, that means outside the camp, the need of men supply. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. On one hand, we we are we are going out of the camp, but he still supplies us. On one hand, persecution is there, but he supplies all our need. The life of heaven living out through me. The souls of earth will bless and satisfy. That is during the church age. And during in the coming age, in the new Jerusalem, verse 7, enter the veil till it exists no more. Praise the Lord. In the new Jerusalem, there is no more veil. Amen. In the new Jerusalem, the Holy of Holies is the temple itself. We go out the camp till all the camps are gone. No more. At that time, all the camp is finished. No more. Until the heaven and earth unite. We are in the new heaven and new earth. In fact, not only new heaven and new earth, we no longer live on the earthly life, but we are already one in the heavenly. Till God and man together dwell in me, dwell in one. Amen. God and man fully dwell together. No more veil. You know veil? Veil is our flesh. That veil has been taken away. Praise the Lord. At the time of the new Jerusalem, God and man together dwell in one. Amen. No more camp, no more dwell. No more camp, no more veil. Praise the Lord. We go out of the camp and we and God, God and man are dwell in one. Let's enjoy this hymn again. I hope we enjoy this hymn. This is a wonderful hymn. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Amen. Heaven and earth unite. Amen. God and man together dwell in one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Till God and men together dwell in one. Amen. No more, no more camp. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. No more camp, no more veil. Amen. All the camps are gone. Amen. No more camp, no more veil. Amen. 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 Which is grace be with you all. Amen. So tonight we come to the last chapter of the book of Hebrews. I hope you have had a, uh, an enjoyable time from its opening with God speaking all the way to this part of the book of Hebrews. Um, actually, this part of the book of Hebrews concerns a matter that uh, apparently is not there. That is, it's not easy to see. It's not apparent. However, it nonetheless is there. So we saw that from chapters 1 all the way to chapter 12, the book of Hebrews reveals Christ, who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. We have things like he's able to save us to the uttermost because he lives to intercede. This kind of a revelation of Christ is revealed nowhere else in the Bible. It's unique to the book of Hebrews. The point is, the book of Hebrews reveals Christ, that this Christ is superior to everything, uh, be it uh, Moses, be it Aaron, be it the angels, Christ is superior. Um, so we need to have a high uh, a regard of who Christ is. We need to, uh, to our estimation, to our value, nobody should compete with Christ. And moreover, in addition to Christ, the book of Hebrews reveals the church. That's why I wanted to say that Christ, it's easy to see the revelation of Christ in the book of Hebrews. But the revelation of the church, uh, it, it needs a little bit of labor on our side. Actually. If we go back to chapter 2, you will notice there that when it speaks about uh, the Lord leading many sons into glory, there's mention of the church. It says that Christ will sing hymns of praise in the midst of the church. So we have the revelation of the church in chapter 2. In chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews, we are uh, exhorted by the writer that we should not uh, um, neglect, uh, abandon our own gathering together, as was the custom with some, but so much the more, especially as we see the day drawing near, uh, you know, even today, uh, we might, I hope all of us have the sense of the Lord's 
coming, uh, realizing that the Lord is going to return very soon. But how should we respond? In the book of Hebrews, we are encouraged to not abandon our gathering together. So much the more as we see the day drawing near. Um, not only is the church revealed in chapter 10, but in what we covered last week in chapter 12. Oh, I, I really enjoy Hebrews chapter 12. You know, we have not come forward to a mountain that cannot be touched, but we have come forward to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. We have come to a heavenly Jerusalem, brothers and sisters. Oh, and not only that, they in Hebrews 12, it says we have come to the church of the firstborn one. There we have a revelation of the church. My point is, the book of Hebrews reveals a Christ who is for the church. I hope we'd have this realization that all that we've seen concerning Christ from chapters 1 now consummates in chapter 13, where we have these wonderful virtues that are required for us to have the church life. So that's a, that's a, a short intro. Uh, basically, when we get into chapter uh, 13 of Hebrews, realize that this is a revelation concerning the church and particularly how we should have, uh, what are the proper virtues of the church life that we need to have in order to have uh, to conduct the church life. Okay, so uh, the first matter, the first virtue, which is very important to our having a, a church life is verse one. Let brotherly love continue. This, this, is, this is so sweet uh, in that if we are to have the proper church life, brothers and sisters, we need to let brotherly love continue. Maybe bits and pieces of the book of Hebrews, we have been applying to ourselves personally, to our Christian life. But this verse can only be applied for the church life. We cannot deny, you know, if we were a Christian who was not in the church, what would this verse be for? Actually, this verse points to us that in order for us to live a proper church life, we need to let brotherly love continue. Maybe we came to the church and we, we enjoyed all the brothers and sisters were wonderful. Um, we, it was easy for us to love them. Uh, however, when we stick around for a little longer, maybe they're not so wonderful. Um, you could say the, the honeymoon is over. Um, well, how should we go on in a church life? Well, in the book of Hebrews, we are told the way to go on in the proper church life, this matter of love. Let brotherly love continue. Don't, don't give up the brothers and sisters. Don't, 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 don't give them up. You know, like a, a, a married couple, they may have a, a, a wonderful a starting point in their marriage life, but sooner or later, eventually a collision arises. In such a situation, what should the husband and wife do? 
they should let their marriage love continue. In the same way with us, how should we, how should we be with one another, brothers and sisters? Well, let brotherly love continue. This, this is so sweet to me. This is so sweet. Don't, don't divorce the brothers. Stay with them. Let brotherly love continue. Um, this is how, this is the first virtue. It's the matter of brotherly love. Actually, uh, I was considering uh, earlier on the building up of the church, brothers and sisters. If you go and look at every verse in Ephesians, God chose us in love. That's in chapter one. If you consider chapter four for the building up of the church, it specifically says that we need to hold to truth in love. Later on in chapter four, verse 16, it says the body builds itself up in love. My point is, if we are going to do anything in the practical church life, if we're going to be anything in the church life, the best way to do it is in love. In 1 Corinthians 13, there are three virtues that are mentioned, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of those, I think you would have guessed by now, it's the matter of love. I hope, I hope the Lord would, would have mercy on us. We would open our inward parts to, to, to have this kind of a church life where brotherly love is the way of, of the church life. The brothers just love one another and care for one another. Of course, and the sisters. When I say brothers, it's not just for the brothers only, but this, this should be the atmosphere in the church life, that love is the greatest way for us to conduct the church life. Okay, so that's the first virtue in order for us to have the proper church life is to have brotherly love. And the second one is that, uh, I like this verse in Hebrews, it says, do not forget hospitality. Wow. Wow. <laughs> not only is there love in the church life, but there's also the need for hospitality. Uh, here it goes on, it says, for through some, uh, for through this, some without knowing have actually hosted angels. Of course, this is refer ref uh, referring to Abraham who opened his household to apparently three men, but it turned out the three men were two angels and Jehovah himself. Wow. Today, brothers and sisters, we have such an opportunity even I would say a way of serving the Lord by hosting our fellow brothers and sisters. Actually, it's quite difficult to calculate how useful hospitality has been throughout the ages for the Lord's move. Um, even the Lord himself, when he was on the earth, if you look, at the, at the gospel, the synoptic gospels, you will find that he's many a time hosted in people's houses. Um, Paul the apostle, he would ask the brothers and sisters, prepare lodging for me. My point is this matter of hospitality, I hope we would have 
a high estimation of it. It's not just uh, people who are looking for a place to sleep, but it's an opportunity for building. We can participate to build by having the brothers and sisters in our house and be built together. Um, so I, I like this. It said we should not forget hospitality. Actually, in Romans, it says we should pursue, not just forget it, but pursue. Um, oh, anyway, uh, I, I'm just impressed with this matter of if we are to have a proper church life, we should not neglect this matter of hospitality as it's a way for us to be built together to be blended with one another um you know when you host the brothers and sisters um it, uh, oh lord you're either hosting a saint or an angel <laughs> my point is there, 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 there's no there's no way for it's 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 always a win you, you have to have the brothers and sisters in our household. Oh, hospitality. Do not forget hospitality. So that's the second virtue. Um, and then the third one is in verse three. It says, remember those who are imprisoned as bound with them. Those who are ill-treated as being yourself, also likewise treated in body. Um, this points to the fact that although we are in the church, in a certain locality, in our sense, brothers and sisters, we need to realize that we are in the body. We are not just someone who is in some local church in some city, but inwardly there has to be this realization that we are members one of another. We are not just a brother in uh, Pretoria or Johannesburg or a sister wherever, but we are a member in the body. So those who are suffering, we suffer with them. Those who are rejoicing, we rejoice with them. That's what it means to live in the body. When one member suffers, we all suffer. This is what 1 Corinthians 12, 26 mentions, is that, this is, this is the living of the body. Outwardly, we are in a certain locality, but inwardly, we are living in the body. So uh, we're not just concerned with ourselves, but we are also concerned with the other members. So this is the, the third virtue. So brotherly love, hospitality, and also suffering with the, with the suffering members. This is our uh, re, this is related to our living in the in the universal body of Christ. Okay, <clears throat> and then um, the next virtue, which is the fourth one, uh, is in verse four. Verse four says, "Let marriage be held in honor among all, and the bed undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge." Um, apparently this part doesn't have anything to do with the church life. Actually, the matter of marriage has everything to do with the church life. The stability of the church life hinges, depends on 
the marriage lives of the saints. Um, so here the writer is, is charging us among all the brothers and sisters, we need to have a high regard of marriage. Marriage is not a light thing. Uh, we need to have a high regard. And um, we, we hold it in honor among all. What this means is we not only honor our own marriage, but we honor others' marriage. Um, I hope th this will give us a window into what this means. Let marriage be held in honor. So that is we honor others' marriages and so also our own. Um, in order for us to have this virtue, we need to know how to uh, have our vessel. Uh, we need to realize God's heart. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the first six verses, they are very touching to me. The brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, they were very young in the Lord. They had a history. Uh, they had a Greek background. Uh, and in the Greek background, the society lived in a very uh, loose way. Um, however, these ones became saved. And they came into the church life. They became the Lord's testimony in Thessalonica. And in, in chapter 4, Paul says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. I treasure that verse. Uh, oh, I, I hope this, this is what it means to hold marriage in honor. It's that we are, we are conducting ourselves in an honorable way realizing that God's will is that we would be sanctified. Uh, you know, in the church life, the brothers and sisters, uh, I should say the contact among brothers and sisters is unavoidable. But all of us, we need to learn to be, to learn how to conduct ourselves in the church, which is the house of the living God, how to hold our vessel in honor, you know, we are filled with the honorable God. We need to learn how to care for our vessel in an honorable way. Uh, I was very impressed with a, a brother uh, who was offered a lift by a young sister. The brother was elderly. He was offered a ride over a very short distance to his house. And this brother, I, I'm just uh, uh, appreciative of how he conducted himself, how he held his vessel in honor. He refused, politely refused the offer because the, the, in order for him to practice this verse, to hold marriage in honor. Um, oh, you know, concerning these matters, you know, the verse four continues to mention things like fornication and adultery. These things are a big damage to the church life. So we have to flee these. So this brother whom I just shared about was a very wonderful pattern to me. It's just he, uh, uh, he exercised forethought for what is honorable. If you look in Romans, uh, there's this kind of a, a thought that in the church life, we need to exercise forethought. Think ahead a little. What is honorable? 
Will this be honorable? You know, um, oh, okay, I don't want to overlabor this, but my point is the matter of the marriage life, that marriage is very important to the church life. Uh, some of the people who helped the Apostle Paul were Prisca and Aquila. This couple could serve the Apostle Paul because of their marriage. Anything that would damage this would frustrate the Lord's move, would frustrate the Lord's testimony. So I, I, I hope this verse, we would have um, a sober, sober mind concerning this. You know, uh, in the church life, yes, in a sense, um, the most important thing is to exercise our spirit. And I agree. But there's this aspect you know, we cannot just say exercise our spirit. Uh, we have to be also be very clear of what the enemy is looking to do. We have to be very watchful. That is, we hold marriage in honor among all. Oh, okay. Uh, and here it says one of the things that we need to realize is that God is going to judge this kind of a, a living. Um, actually, the church also uh, should judge such, such, a, such a living. So the point is, in order for us to be the proper testimony of the Lord, in order for us to keep our birthright, this is, this is what we have to practice. This is a virtue that's important. Reuben did not honor this marriage did not honor marriage as a result he lost his birthright but joseph joseph because he honored marriage his practice was to honor marriage oh he gained a double portion of the land he gained the oh I, my point is because we are born again because we are christians we have a birthright which the lord has given us but we need to be careful that we do not lose it. Okay, so um, for the church life, we need to hold marriage in honor. Okay, and then the fifth um, virtue, which we need to have in order to have a proper church life is in verse five. This is uh, quite a... Uh, it's quite a warning. It says, let your way of life be without the love of money. Um, being satisfied with the things which are at hand. Um, it's very difficult for a person who loves money to be in the church life. Uh, there's no problem with making money, but to love money, actually, remember the, the person who loved money among the Lord's disciples when he was on the earth? This very person ended up betraying the Lord. This is a warning to us. Our way of life, our manner of life, if we are to have a proper church life, we need to guard against a way of life which is which has a love of money if we if we if we love money 
we're going to be uh, a, a Judas. Judas betrayed the Lord. This kind of a, a love for money, a way of life, which is a love of money, will cause us to betray the church life. We will leave, we will betray what the, the, the Lord's present work, the Lord's present testimony. So this is a, a very um, a sober aspect that we need to, if we, if we want to live in a church life, we need to deal with this matter of money. Lord, I love you. I love the brothers and sisters. I'm full of brotherly love. I don't love money. Rather, I love you and the, and the church. So let your way of life be without the love of money. And then it says, this is verse five, being satisfied with the things which are at hand. What this means is, we need to be satisfied with our circumstances. Brothers and sisters, not one thing that happens to us is by mistake. We are under the Lord's care. We need to learn to be satisfied with the Lord's arrangement for our life. Um, Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just impressed with this. It's that if we are to have the proper church life, there's this matter of the need of us to deal with the, with the love of money. Um, anyway, uh, I think uh, for the sake of time, I should, I should go on. Um, maybe, maybe before I go on, uh, I should mention that in order to serve the Lord, this matter of money is actually a temptation to care for our needs. Actually, the Lord is our father. If you read back, go back to chapter 12, it mentions that God is the father, is our father, he's the father of spirits. And also in Matthew 6, it mentions that we should seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know what the kingdom in its reality today is? It's the church. Today, the kingdom in its reality is the church. Of course, the kingdom will be brought in in its manifestation. But today, we need to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Not only will we gain the kingdom and the righteousness, but Matthew 6, the Lord makes it very clear. He will give us all that we need. In addition to this, my point is, uh, we should realize that the Lord is going to care for each one of our needs. Our goal, our one unique focus should be to enter within the veil and go out the camp. This should be our main focus, not be distracted by money in order to take care of our needs. You know, the Lord Jesus, when he was about to begin his earthly ministry, he was tempted concerning his needs. My point is, this matter of our needs, uh, we need to have this view of God as our Father, who even before we ask, knows what we need. Uh, I, I just, I'm just encouraged by this. Uh, many of the Lord's servants who have gone before us, um, I can't remember who, who said this, but I remember reading a quote 
of one of the servants of the Lord. He said, show me a servant of the Lord who has died of hunger. The point is the Lord took care of all the, our needs. He takes care of all our needs. We shouldn't be dis, dis, uh, dis, um, uh, distracted uh, in order to make, uh, you know, be, be distracted from the church life on account of uh, money, mammon, but rather we should do all we can day by day to get into the veil, get into the veil, into, into the law of life. Okay, um, uh, time is uh, not on my side, so I will go on to the, uh, so verse five and verse six, this is the Lord's word, which is in his testament. The Lord says, I shall by no means give you up. You know, this is the Lord's word to us. This is his commitment to us in the church life. Uh, as we are pursuing his goal, he says, I shall by no means give you up, neither by any means. Shall I abandon you? Do you know this word by any means? It means there's no way, there's, there, there exists no way that the Lord can take to give us up. There's no avenue. The Lord is committed to meeting every one of our needs as we pursue his goal. Okay. And um, he said, then uh, I like the response in verse six. He says, we should be of good courage and say, oh, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear. What shall man do to me? This, this is how we should respond to the Lord's word. He gives us his word. We should take his word and respond in such a way. Um, and then verse 7, this is the sixth virtue we need in order to live the church life. It says here, remember the, the ones leading you who have spoken to you the word of God and considering the issue of their manner of life, imitate their faith. I think many of us, brothers and sisters, we have patterns that the Lord has used to shepherd us. Consider how their life has been, their manner of life. Their manner of life has been without the love of money. It has, it has been uh, a way of faith realizing God's care, you see? So we need to imitate them. We should, these ones who are leading us, who are shepherding us, we should imitate their faith. That is, they trust in God for everything and they have a life which is, which, which is uh, a, a living, a way of life without the love of money. Oh, so th these are the, the six virtues and then the last four, which I will mention briefly, they are contained in verses 16 through 18. So uh, the first one, it says, uh, maybe I should say the seventh uh, virtue is that um, it says, do not forget doing good. Do not forget doing good. Uh, the good here is not the good of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Actually, the good here is related to God's economy. And it is also according to his operation in us. In Philippians 2, 
it says it is God who operates in you, both the willing and the working for his good pleasure. So as we are enjoying the law of life in us and the law of life is operating, God is energizing us, we should not forget to do good. Um, and also this, the eighth virtue, it says, we need to be those who are sharing with others. It is not uncommon for the Lord to uh, give us sometimes more than we need. If we are to have a proper church life, we need to be those who share with others. Share with others. Actually, we should have a realization that our hands are, yeah, are, are those of a steward. We are, we are just, nothing stays, nothing goes to our pocket, but it's in transition to the brothers and sisters. We should have this kind of a, a view in the church life. Um, Anyway, uh, time is, is not on our side, but this, this really, really is sweet. Um, if you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, the fellowship the churches in, among the Gentile cities had with the saints in Jerusalem, it was so sweet. They gave out of the depth of their poverty. They asked the apostles, could you please give us Take this. We want to have fellowship with the brothers in Jerusalem. Oh, what a sweet church life. Even they, they, they didn't have so much, but they just wanted to take the opportunity to be in the fellowship, um, practical fellowship with the saints in Jerusalem. Um, and these kinds of sacrifices, the one of doing good and also sharing with others, verse 16 goes on and says, with these sacrifices, God is well pleased. How about this? A church life where God is well pleased. Where there's no lack, but all the members are equal. Just like the gathering of the manor. He who gathered much had no excess. He who gathered little had no lack, but there was equality. Anyway, um, this, is, this is so sweet. And then verse 17, it says, obey the ones leading you, submitting to them, uh, for they watch over your souls as those who will render an account. So we obey the ones leading us, that they may do this with joy and not, and not groan. Um, oh, we don't want to, you know, in our, in our, in our locality. We, we would like to be one spirit with the brothers and sisters, um, not, not be troublemakers. This is not profitable to any of us. And then the final virtue I will mention, uh, which is the 10th one, is verse 18. And the first three words are, pray for us. Pray for us. Um, you know, this matter here, apparently, it's just to pray for the apostles. However, we need to have a realization that this is related to our entering into the Lord's present work on the earth, what the Lord is doing. The apostles were one with the Lord. They were ambassadors of the Lord, raising up the brothers and sisters, raising up churches. So when we pray for them in this way, we become a part 
in the Lord's present work. We partake in the Lord's move. You know, I love the prayer meeting of the church where, where I'm at. Uh, there are two things I will not miss. I prefer not to miss. The Lord's table and the prayer meeting. Because these are, you know, when we're, the prayer meeting allows us to participate in the Lord's present move. So uh, maybe for the sake of time, I will stop here. And uh, sorry for taking too much time. Praise the Lord. Amen. These are the 10 virtues of the church life. Uh, the church life is not just go to the meeting, but the church life is the practicing of all these virtues of this life. Uh, if you just live alone by yourself, uh, you love the Lord without having the church life, you cannot able to live out these virtues. All these 10 virtues will only exist in the church life. <clears throat> Why the Lord lead us to be in the church is to enjoy all these virtues that come out of this divine life. And the last chapter of the book of Hebrews talking about two matters. One is outwardly, we have the church life. Inwardly, we are following Christ. This is the last chapter of the book of Hebrews. Uh, outwardly, we have a framework that is the practicing, enjoying the virtues of the church life. And inwardly, we following this Christ. We, by entering into the veil and leave the religious camp. In verse 8, we are quite familiar with this verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, even forever. You know, this verse is talking about The experience on verse 7. In verse 7, he said, remember the ones leading you who have spoken to you the word of God. You not only remember them, but you also consider the issue of their manner of life and also imitate their faith. <clears throat> How this one... They have the word, they have the manner of life, they have the faith. This one, they enjoy Christ. And the way that they enjoy Christ, you imitate their faith. Just like how they running the race. We talk about Christ is our pathway. Christ is the race that we run. You know, all this race, just like the picture of the tabernacle. If you're familiar with the picture of the tabernacle, it's all the way from the altar to the labor. Then you go to the incense altar and then pass through the veil. 
get into the arc, that is straight line. On the other side, the cross line is the showbread table and the lampstand. So this become the cross, cross over. And to run the race, to run this pathway, we are experiencing first the altar. In the altar, we repent, we even kneel down, repent our sin. And after the altar, we come to the labor. The altar deal with our sin, but the labor deal all the defilement of the world. It washes from the worldly thing, from the earthly draws. Then afterward, we get into the holy place and we turn right. Hallelujah. We start turning. The turning, go to the showbread table, enjoy Christ as our nourishment. And then after that enjoyment, we turn around, go to the opposite side and enjoy the enlightenment of the word. The more we enjoy the nourishing, the more we receive his enlightenment. The Lord enlightens us through his nourishing. He nourishes us. You come to the word of God. He nourishes us. Then this word starts shine upon us. But you need to turn. Turn from the word to his light. Praise the Lord. And the turning of the turning from the showbread table into the lampstand, we receive his enlightenment. Then we come to the central line of God's house. Then we turn right, get into the golden incense altar, enjoy the sweet fragrance in ascension, our prayer ascension. And we kept going on. This is the pathway that we imitate those who have this faith. This is the path they are running. And in the golden incense altar, we keep going on. We enter into the veil. And inside the veil, there is an ark. And we keep going on. Get into the content of the ark. Inside the ark, there are three matters. There are three items. One is the hidden manna. One is the budding rod. And one is the law of tablet. That is how we enjoy the content of the ark. Did you see? And the law of life rule within us, brought us into the enjoyment of the birthright, maturity of God's sons. That law of life is not just to tell you what to do, but that law of life is to rule over us, operate within us, bring us into the full enjoyment of the birthright, or the maturity of life. That law of life is law 
rule within us. But the Hebrew believers, look in verse 9, the author emphasized that one. Do not be carried away by various strange teaching. Highlight the word strange teaching. Because God's people, those Hebrew believers, they have tasted Christ before, which is wonderful, resurrected, ascended Christ. But somehow, some strange teaching has come. Tell them, um, go back to that kind of enjoyment in the Old Testament. Verse 9, I repeat. He said, do not be carried away by various strange teaching. For it is good for the heart to be confirmed by grace, not by the foot of sacrifice, by which those who walk were not profit profited. <clears throat> and um, at that time, there are some Hebrew believers on one hand, they have tasted the Christ they enjoyed before. But at that time, they come together, they enjoy the feast, and the joy of the feast, they eat, the, they come together and eat together. Maybe some of them, they feel very happy, exciting, just like a feast. And maybe some of them will have a few more days, another few more days, another two days. We're going to have a feast together. Uh, we will keep the feast. And that feast, we're going to have big eating. Like in South Africa, we're going to have a big bride. Wow, okay. it's a big feast. On one hand, we offer something to God. On the other hand, we're going to eat together. And what do you believe in doing that? You go to that little gathering, that's the church. What do you have to okay. come together and join us? On one hand, we offer something, we worship God. On the other hand, we have a big feast. This we call that a strange teaching. That kind of religious atmosphere, they are worshiping God, then they have a big feast, they, they, they eat the sacrifice they offer. On one hand, we offer to God, but we also eat together. This kind of teaching derail God's people to enjoy Christ as grace. That's why in verse 9, it is good for the heart to be confirmed by grace. Don't care for these outward things. How can you mix the Old Testament with the enjoyment of grace? How could you use all kinds of feasts to replace the enjoyment of Christ? You know, it is not good by the foot of sacrifice. Encircle the word not, not by the foot of sacrifice. They use the foot of the sacrifice in the Old Testament. That kind of enjoyment, just like you're selling your birthright for a meal. You abandon the enjoyment of Christ, but you come enjoy as the flesh for your flesh. 
that kind of worshiping did not turn you to enjoy Christ as grace, but rather you replace a kind of worship uh, together, the enjoyment of your flesh. And then you say, you're worshiping God. This kind of doing which those who were not walked were not profited. You do this thing, you're not gonna profit anything. In verse eight, he saying, do not be deceived by this kind of strange teaching because Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday before you enjoy him and today you still enjoy him. Don't be affected by this kind of strange teaching. Praise the Lord. This teaching, this statement of Jesus Christ is today, yesterday, today, and even forever is the same. That means our Christ, he did not change. Before it's so enjoyable. Today is still enjoyable. Amen. Even forever, still enjoyable. In the beginning of our church life, we enjoy him. Wonderful. We live a happy honeymoon church life. And then somehow we got some strange teaching and we start doubt. And we feel, oh, we must go back to this way. Those are all strange teaching. This kind of strange teaching cause you to sell, to betray your birthright. Someone give you kind of question mark, some kind, this kind of doubting. You lose your birthright. And in verse 10, the writer emphasized, we have only one altar from which they are serving the tabernacle, have no right to eat. What are you doing here? That one altar, that means the altar of the sin offering. The author say, you are having this kind of church life, you ignore, you did not see the reality of the altar. That is in this altar of the sin offering, in the Old Testament, when they offer the sin offering, they did not eat anything from that offering. No, no, you have nothing for you. No right to eat anything. Is everything burned out? Then in verse eleven, he's um, saying nothing remains for the offerers, the serving one. Nothing has been. Why you eat the sacrifice you offer? The author say the most basic offering, which is the sin offering, is nothing given remain for the serving of the tabernacle. But today in the New Testament, we are not eating anything there, but we are receiving the effective of the sin offering. Christ died for us. We did not eat the sin offering, but we enjoy the receiving we're receiving the effectiveness of Christ being our sin offering. And then verse 11, he said, for the body, 
because the body of the sacrifice the the blood is brought into the holy of holy for sin by the high priest but the body is burned up outside the camp all right this verse you encircle two words the body and the blood the body of the animal is brought outside the camp and the blood was brought in to the holy of holies did you see this two matter it's separate nothing remain on the altar for you praise the lord saints the blood brought into the holy of holies because of that blood it opened the way for us to get into the holy of holies because of that blood god's righteousness has been met and the body has been brought out outside the camp and what did they do there that is the body has been rejected went out to the camp the camp doesn't want this body they rejected and verse 12 therefore also jesus that he might sanctify the people through his own blood praise the lord the lord's blood get into the holy of holies in order to sanctify us to bring us in to the holy of holies did you see that path that i mentioned earlier from the altar to the laver to the table to the stand to the golden incense then we get into the holy of holies in order to sanctify the people and through his own blood yet at the same time he suffer outside the gate praise the lord amen okay. he was rejected by the camp oh lord saints did you see this picture the author mentioned in verse 13 let us therefore go forth unto him yeah. let's go unto him come close to him outside the camp bearing his reproach yeah. he sanctifies sanctifies from religion we come to him we come to him to the holy of holies he open the way sanctify us we come to him therefore we go forth unto him the more we get into the holy of holies the more he sanctifies the more he sanctifies the more we will go outside the camp if you are still in the camp you are not sanctified remember the last verse that time we say uh, in verse chapter 12 verse 29 for our god is also a consuming fire he consume everything that is worldly everything that is common 
that is earthly. In verse 12, chapter 13, verse 12, Christ being suffered outside the camp. Christ was crucified outside the camp, out of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a Judaism. That camp become a religious camp. That religious camp, they crucified Christ. They reject Christ. They abandon Christ. And today, by enjoying Christ in the Holy of Holies, we enter into the veil and he supply us in order to supply us, strengthen us to go out of the camp. Many believers, Judaism, the Hebrew believers, they mix together. On one hand, they enjoy Christ. On the other hand, they hold the camp. They hold the religion. Many things in religion. Talking about God, but there is no God. These are the camp. You know where religion comes from? Religion comes from Satan. If you go to your Bible in Genesis chapter 3. Did you ever see religion is the product of Satan? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other animal of the field that Jehovah God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Wow. When serpent come to approach the woman, he did not use about the morality, but he used religion. He said, did God, is that so? Did God really say? We thought Satan come talking about morality here. He's very religious. You, you love God, am I right? You like to hear God? Okay, let's come to talk about God. Did God really say, you shall not eat the tree of life? And go to verse 5. For God, encircle the word God. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And you become like God. Look, he is the founder of religion. These are all religion. Okay, let's come back to Hebrews 13. They were quite confused. They mixed up with religion and grace. And the author of this book is to bring God's people, come and enjoy grace. The grace is in the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies, we have three mothers here. We have the hidden manna. We have the resurrected budding rod. We have the law of life. Why are you still outside the camp? Why are you still outside the court, in the outer court? Enjoying all the sacrifice, sin offering, and then you eat there? You are 
outside. In fact, that become a, a camp already. When God, people worship him, this golden calf, Moses left this camp. It became a camp of religion used by Satan. Something about God, but there is no God. <clears throat> Moses already left. And today, Christ is bringing us back to the Holy of Holies. Enjoy the hidden manna, enjoy the budding rod, enjoying the law of life, which make us complete. Oh Lord, <clears throat> the more we enjoy him in the Holy of Holies, the more he strengthens us and he will lead us to outside the camp. <clears throat> Look, even we're out of the camp, but the camp is still inside of us. How many of us were affected by the Christmas? Christmas tree, Santa Claus, stocking, all this. <laughs> These are all strange teaching. Something is like of God, about Jesus, but there's no Christ there. In fact, someone told me, we know Santa Claus before Christ. <laughs> before we know Christ, we already know Santa Claus. Before we know the tree of life, we love Christmas tree. What is this? These are all strange teaching who deviate us from the enjoyment of grace. Do you think they help you to learn Christ? No. They bring you out of Christ to enjoy grace, out of grace. Saints, even some like to be reverent. Reverent means something that we can respect. It's difficult to get out. We want to have a position. You know, this is the replacement. This is a replacement of enjoying grace. Oh, Lord, amen. You enjoy, wow, call me reverend. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is that? I know some pastor, if you don't call them pastor, they get offended. If I am pastor, you must call me pastor. There are so many strange teachings creep in. Praise the Lord. Today in the church life, you may see how Brother Hector mentioned, <laughs> let's continue our brotherly love. <coughs> you are just a brother. You are not higher than a brother. You are not lower than a brother. We're just brother. Amen. Okay. How about that? Okay. Accommodation. Receive. Okay. First three is encouragement. The second three is a warning. Well, let's carry on with this. In verse 14, for we do not have here a remaining city, but we seek after the one to come. Praise the Lord, that is the city. The new Jerusalem. In this, in this camp, there is no God. Remember that last week we mentioned about in chapter 12? Mm -hmm. 
in the in in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we have Zion, we have Jerusalem, we have the jubilant angel, the we have the church of the firstborn, oh, we have the mediator Christ, we have the covenant of the blood, but in this come nothing the rather all kind of warnings, all kind of darkness, gloom, trumpet, all these things. But saints, today we want to get into the holy of holies. We enter into the veil. In this, within the veil, we have the ark, and inside the ark, we enjoy the grace that is the hidden manna, the budding rod, and the law of life. On. What um, Hector mentioned in verse 16, so day chapter 13, verse 16, do not forget doing good. Uh, this is according to the law of that working within us. Saints, this week morning revival, aren't you enjoying Are you enjoying that one? That David doing good to Mephibosheth. Wow. Is a according to the kindness of God. Then I want to show this kindness of God from God to you. In him, if it's not from God, I don't think David will have kindness. You're going to kill him because his grandfather is his enemy. But he said, because God's kindness work into me, then I'm going to display my kindness of God to you. Oh, we all love this part. Amen. Well, we carry on here. And verse 15. Through him, then let us offer up a sacrifice of praise. Don't eat the food of sacrifice, but offer the sacrifice of praise, which we enjoy grace. If you do not enjoy grace, what can you offer up? You just go back to eat just like Esau for a meal, that kind of enjoyment of your, the lust of your flesh, you lose the birthright. But here through the enjoyment of grace, we offer up a sacrifice of praise. The author of this book is quite concerned about the believers today, that we are keeping all the outward form, forget about grace. We do. This is right. That one is right. This we talk about the legality, even with religious legality. We fall into religion, forget to enjoy grace. If you forget to enjoy grace, then you have nothing to offer. We come to the table meeting, we have not much to praise. Why? Because not much enjoyment. <clears throat> Here he's saying, through Christ, the enjoyment of grace, let us offer a sacrifice of praise continually to God. That is what through our mouth, the leaves, the fruit of leaves, confessing his name. God enjoying the fruit of our lips. Let God enjoy our praises. Do you know when you're praising 
when you praise in God, God stretch out his ear. He wants to hear our praise. What do you have something to offer? Or you just say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> I say, praise for what? <laughs> what do you enjoy? Just like you say, do you enjoy the meeting? Yes. How's the meeting? Very good. Okay, I know good. But do you have something to say? Not just good. I know it's good. I know. But we have something of praises to offer. The fruit of lips confessing his name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I think let's come to the conclusion here. Now, verse 20, now the God of peace, he who brought up from the dead of our Lord Jesus, and he's the great shepherd of the sheep. Amen. Saints, he's not only our savior, he's our great shepherd in the blood of an eternal covenant. Everything is eternal. Footnote 20, footnote 2, okay? verse 20, footnote 2. This book does not concern something that's temporary, but it's beyond the time. The next paragraph, the new covenant is not only a better covenant, but it is also eternal covenant. It has eternal effect because of the eternal efficacy of Christ's blood with which was enacted. Amen. This is the burden of the author. Bring us to enjoy the eternal covenant, which make the church become the firstborn. Since today, this Christ is working, operating within us, that we may enjoy the firstborn. That is, the exercise of the priest and the exercise of the kingship. The priest is to express him. The king is to represent him. Amen. These are the enjoyment of the birthright to inherit the land. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. All these five warnings in this book is to remind the saints Get into your get into our spirit, enjoy this Christ, leave the camp. There is a reward waiting for us. The reward is the enjoyment of enjoyment of this grace. Amen. The full the completion of his economy. Verse 21: perfect you in every good works for the doing of his will. And he is doing in us. Praise the Lord. Highlight the word in us. Yeah. This book is not talking only his heavenly ministry, but this book is talking about he is in us. Amen. This law of life, this budding rat, this hidden manna is inside the veil. This is the veil. Okay. Inside the veil is in our spirit. All the virtue of the church life, all the practice of the church life is to lead us into the Holy of Holies. It is not just an outward practice, 
but it leads us into the holy of holies. The last verse in this book is grace be with you all. Amen. Amen. Okay. I think you know what I mean. That is to enjoy Christ as our grace. Trying God to be our enjoyment. He is with us. Amen.